Michael, this is all very confusing. This is On Markets presented by Darwin Asset Management and Darwin Wealth Management, the podcast where we decrypt and demystify economic, financial, and other investing concepts in 20 minutes or less. So if you think all the way back to January, you'll remember that every time you turned on the TV and radio, there was some virology expert talking about COVID. Fast forward four weeks, and it seems like everyone has traded in their virology degrees and become experts in geopolitical warfare. On this podcast, however, we like to be contrarian. So today you'll hear from three guys who don't claim to be experts in either. I'm your host, Remy, and of course I'm talking about myself, Mike, and Tino. So that being said, you really don't have to be an expert to assess the potential impact the Russian invasion of Ukraine might have on financial markets and the US economy. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like the show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So we all know that instability causes volatility. So Tino, since you are our resident Wall Street alumni, answer me this question. Why on invasion day is the market pushing steadily up? Ah, uh, yes. The, uh, the the question is a good one and one that, I mean, uh, admittedly, it probably confused a lot of professional investors. Uh, I mean, it goes back to we don't really know what happens on a daily basis. I said this before on the on the podcast. I mean, you know, when when, you know, Mike and Remy and when you guys buy stocks on your personal accounts, there's no field that requires you to explain why you're buying or selling. Right. And you just you just go in and you execute the trade. So it's a it's a little bit of a mystery on a daily basis. But uh, I think it's kind of funny when I hear it. it's, it's illogical that the market rose that Thursday when when Russia invaded and, and not just rose. I mean, it went up big. And you're using a logical or analytical framework to assess something that's, in my opinion, purely emotional. It's like using penicillin to cure a viral disease, right? So uh, I, I think that, you know, it got to the back of my head if I had to explain what was going on. If you look at what was going on with the NASDAQ, it, it hit bear market territory, which means it was down 20% for about four seconds. And then uh, I think that probably triggered some type of a rally. And then, you know, you've got these fancy hedge, uh, high, fre- high frequency traders who, um, can move billions of dollars in fractions of a microsecond, saw the trend and they jumped on it. But, um, you know, I think that's probably more of anything to guess. I, I think the, the question, Remy, that goes back to, you know, does this really impact the economy? Does this impact investors over the long run? And that's something that I think is a little bit more suspect. So if you had to speculate, I mean, what type of impact do you think this invasion really will have on the global economy and, and more specifically the U.S.? Yeah, that's that's the question, right? Because if you think about the there, there are two answers here on the global economy. It's a little bit different because there is probably going to be, I think, two obvious impacts. The first is on Europe, particularly Eastern Europe. You've got countries like Germany who, uh, rather than uh, fight for energy independence over the past decade or so, is has gone the opposite direction and made themselves more dependent on on Russia. And, and that, you know, the outcome there is, is, is very unpredictable, but there's, there's risk there. You're also going to see an impact to energy prices. We, or let me rephrase, we've already started to see impact to energy prices and, and that will trickle down into the U S economy to some degree. But ultimately when you get here in the U S 70% of our economy is consumer spending. It's, it's going out buying, you know, movie tickets, you know, drinks, you know, or, or going out to restaurants, things of that nature. You add in business spending, that's another 18%. So 88% of our economy is just spending. So take a first principles approach to economic analysis here and say, okay, well, if consumer spending drives our economy and the economy drives corporate profits and that pushes stock prices up over the long run, you got to ask yourself, is this invasion going to stop people from spending money? So I'm going to put the question back on, on you, Mike. 
Is Russia invading Ukraine going to stop you from going out to dinner? It's not going to stop me, but you know, I don't drive the economy by myself. Um, you know, I do, you know, as you guys know, I talk to a lot of clients and I do see a, a fair amount of concern. I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's sort of manifested itself in anybody stopping spending now, but you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I really don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know if people will really start to get to the point. I mean, I am starting to hear people talk about world war three and hoarding cash and, and, and burying, you know, cash and coffee cans in the backyard. And, and, and you know, those are obviously the, the people that are, that are on the extremes, but that stuff does trickle down at some point to, to other people. And, and I, I honestly don't know. So China has been sort of suspiciously quiet, don't you guys think? Yeah. It's like they profess their solidarity and undying love for Russia two days before the invasion, but as soon as the invasion hit, they just ghosted out. Dino, I think both you and I had been single during our time living in Manhattan, so this, uh, <laughs> this experience is not totally foreign to us. But I think the obvious question is, of course, if Russia is successful, does this open the door for China to invade Taiwan? I think that's what everybody's worried about right now. Uh, more than, frankly, more than Russia, Ukraine. It's like, where does this, where does this go to? I mean, I think, Mike, I think World War III is a bit of an extreme thing. I know it's on the news right now, but China invading Taiwan. Uh, again, I, I, I'm very proud to say that I, I'm not a geopolitical expert. I don't think any of us are, but I think the odds of this happening are actually quite low. You know, I, I do think there is an element of surprise that probably the Chinese government's looking at right now. The, the surprise response to Russia, how the entire, almost the entire world is ganged up against Putin. Uh, it's got to send a message to Xi Jinping. I also think that if you go, if you go back in history and how China's handled these types of situations, they have a, uh, a track record of going very slow. Like look at Hong Kong, for example. You know, they let Hong Kong operate for a while, uh, kind of as is, and then they slowly just kind of clawed back their independence to a certain degree. I think that going, China going into Taiwan is also a bigger deal because, as I said, Russia invading Ukraine probably isn't going to stop you know, uh, us three from going out and spending money. But if there was a full-scale invasion in Taiwan, that could disrupt the global economy a little bit more because of, I think it's over 50% of the semiconductors in the world are, are produced just in Taiwan alone. So I think you're going to have a, a, a bigger response there too. So again, nobody knows, but I think the odds of an invasion in Taiwan are, are actually quite low. I mean, do you think that the, that, that, that conversation that people are just sort of hypersensitive to it? I mean, it's, it's, you know, you hear the news, you know, sort of pounding into your head what's happening in the Ukraine, which, which, you know, clearly obviously is not good, but you know, everybody immediately goes to, you know, it's going to get worse. What's the next thing? I mean, are the odds any greater now that China invades Taiwan than they were a month ago? I would think they're less, to be quite frank. I mean, I don't know that we've ever seen such a... A unified response? Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, like Tino alluded to earlier, Russia has just been just totally secluded from the rest of the world at this point. They're just shut off. What's interesting is, you know, before it started, you know, we, we basically said, we know this is going to happen. And my initial reaction to that was, that's kind of stupid. Why are we, you know, why are we saying this? We know it's going to happen. We're not doing anything, doing anything about it. But I do think that we, I don't know, sort of lessen the impact of all the disinformation coming out of Russia by doing that. I think it was a good move. And I think it did help to sort of unite the rest of the world against them. I don't know. What do you guys think? I tend to agree. I think, uh, I think it would have been fairly easy to have a knee-jerk reaction and get involved. And I think the U.S. does that quite often, actually. And, uh, you know, in a sort of a 
rare turn of events, we really did sort of take a back seat for the most part and, you know, let the situation unwind. So the interesting thing is, you know, you hear about Putin continually and you don't really read a whole lot about Zelensky. Have you guys really like looked into this guy's background? You know, this guy started as a comedian. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 and that he had a, a TV show about a comedian that became the ruler of a country. I mean, how weird is that? So it's weird for me because my wife is Russian and comes from Russia. So she knew who this guy was. And she, you know, when, once this all started happening, she's telling me all about how she used to like watch him on TV when she was a kid. Well, I guess it's not that much weirder than, than Trump on, you know, the whatever reality show he used to have. That's a good point. Or Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Or Ronald Reagan and, you know, Westerns in the, the 50s or whatever it was. But it, I don't know. I guess when it happens somewhere else, it seems stranger. I think it's because he was a comedian specifically. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue Trump's somewhat of a comedian too, but maybe an unintentional one, right? <laughs> <laughs> what do we think of the, are the chances that that uh, that Ukraine can sort of come out of this, you know, with their independence? Is there any shot at all? Look, I think the world's rooting for them, and they've handled this "quote unquote" first wave well. But I mean, think about what's going on here. I mean, Putin has to he has to win. I mean, if he doesn't, what's going to happen to Putin? Again, I'm not an expert here, but I think we all know what his fate will be. So. You know, from his, his, his point of view, his incentive is to stay alive at this point. And Russia's military is uh, multiples stronger and bigger and more powerful than Ukraine, unless there's some type of an internal coup. I, it just so, let, so let's say this, this is over next week. Let's say the Ukraine says, OK, we're done. We're going to let you install a, a puppet government, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they're, they're going to do, which is probably what's going to happen. Right. But let's say it just we just cut to the chase. It's over next week. What does that mean? for us? What does it mean for our economy? What does it mean for our markets? I mean, is it just craziness for a couple of days and everybody forgets about it and gets back to normal? Short answer. Yeah. I mean, this, I always joke around about this, uh, this disease that, you know, I saw on wall street many years ago called market attention deficit disorder going mad. And I think that it's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be like Russia invading Crimea. People are going to talk about it for a while and then it is going to disappear. All right. Cause a couple of things, think about it. I mean, how much did we talk about COVID over the last week or two? You I mean you said it, Remy, at the beginning. You know, COVID has been just completely removed from the media cycle, and we've almost, in many ways, forgotten a lot about it. I think this is going to be a yet another thing. Is so the news is going to say, okay, this is over. Now what? And we're going to go back to rising interest rates or inflation or who who knows what's going to happen after this? Well, my question is, can Europe and and the rest of the world continue? the um, imposed isolation on Russia after they take over Ukraine, right? Because I would think that would have some larger consequences. In the long term, it would have some effect, right? On those involved, yes, because, you know, ultimately, we've never seen something like this before from a, from a, from a financial sanctions perspective. I mean, it, we haven't seen an innovation like this in decades, but uh, this response, I mean, you know, both of you are right. Like this is something that has been unprecedented to cut a country like Russia off from the financial system that's run primarily by U.S. dollars. You know, there, there's going to be unintended consequences from this, both good and bad. You know, this again, this shows China that look, we're serious. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the entire system of you know using dollars to run the financial, um, the global financial network. If we're now saying, look, you're doing something we don't like, and we're going to kick you off. That creates an incentive for those getting kicked off and those that maybe not align with our politics to go create another system, right? So 
we might not see an effect over the next 12 or 18 months, but you know, 10 years from now, maybe China's uh, you know, system of, of inter- international commerce takes off simply because people don't want to align themselves with a country like the US or Eastern Europe or, or excuse me, or Europe, the European Union who say, you know what, we don't like you. You're getting booted off, which I mean, they've been attempting to do with Russia, if I'm not mistaken, for about 10 years right now with this World Bank or whatever it is that they're putting together. Yeah, China's they've been at this for a while. They don't want to align themselves with U.S. interests and and our our financial system. And honestly, if I was them, I I don't blame them. I mean, again, why would you want to tie yourself to somebody who you may not agree with? And ultimately, it wields the power that we're doing right now. And I say we not not just the U.S. I'm talking about you know the U.S., the European Union. Actually, pretty much everybody other than Russia right now. You know, you don't want to put yourself in that in that type of a situation. So, like I said, it's a weird, perverse incentive, but it creates an incentive for those com- countries that don't a- agree with us to go out and do something different. So, when it comes to geopolitical warfare and how it affects the average everyday investor, what's the bottom line? Normally, in these situations, I would say turn off the TV. But these are these are exceptional times. I would say what you're reading and and, and watching on TV, try to keep it in context. Ultimately, the question I always ask myself is, how does this impact spending? Is this going to get consumers or the global economy to spend differently in some way, shape or form? Because I don't want people to turn a blind eye to obviously what's going on because it is pretty messed up right now. But again, just because something really bad is happening doesn't necessarily mean it's going to impact your financial future. You know, a lot of stuff right now that's not getting media attention, uh, the economy, the economic strength, earnings are strong, all these different uh, tailwinds right now that are pushing us forward. I would focus more on those when you're looking into your investments versus what you're seeing on TV. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.